Thank you for joining me on episode 15 of the Unique on Purpose podcast, helping you find victory in how God has uniquely created you. I am your host, Rachel Gentleman, just a regular gal trying to help people know that they are called to be victors in Christ Jesus. Today, Sarah Kimming shares how the disadvantage of her blindness has now become an advantage. Welcome back to the Unique on Purpose podcast. And today I have Sarah Kiming. And Sarah, a funny story, how I was able to get you on the show. I, I stalked you, actually. If, <laughs> if that, it sounds kind of weird. I, I don't mean to be creepy, but I, I stalked you. Um, Sarah, is she's a wife. She's a mom, a seminary graduate. She has a Christian book review blog. You and I have a, have share a, a similar love, and that is Adventures in Odyssey. And that's, yes, kind of, that's how I found you. And we'll get more into the Adventures in Odyssey thing in a little bit. But my kids and I went on vacation a few months back and I always stock my car with CDs of Adventures in Odyssey from the library because my car is so old that it still has a CD player. And as we're driving, and I had heard your story before, but I was, your story is actually on one of the scrapbook portions of Adventures in Odyssey. And I heard it and I thought, oh my gosh, I have to find this Sarah because I want to hear more of her story because you have such an incredible God-like life-changing story where God has created you differently. You are unique, but God is using it to glorify himself. You uh, were born blind. Yep. And and you just have this whole backstory. So I'm just going to stop right there because I want you just to start from the beginning. Who is Sarah? And start from there. Okay. Well, I was born in 1986 in Colorado. Uh, My dad was in seminary at Denver Seminary there. I was born in November, and my parents didn't really notice anything, but except that I loved the Christmas tree. They Mm -hmm. had no idea I was blind, but I loved the Christmas lights. And so they kept the tree up until, like, February or March. Aw, that's so sweet. All I would do is stare at the Christmas lights. And finally, my mom's mom, my Oma, came to visit me. Uh, She said, I think there's something wrong with Sarah's eyes. And my mom's like, no, 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 she's fine. She's like, no, because she doesn't look at us. She just looks at the light behind us. And she tracks the light, not the person. So my mom took me in, and I had. They did tests, and they found out that I had cataracts. And cataracts can they normally affect people who are older. They it's very rare that you're born with them, but it can happen. The cataract forms over the lens of your eye. It's scar tissue. And in order to remove the cataract, they have to do surgery, but they also, because it's attached to the lens in your eye, they have to remove your lens. So what that means for me is that I no longer have lenses in my eyes. Uh, they Nowadays, they will immediately implant one designed for your eye. They don't even do transplants hardly ever anymore for lenses. Mm-hmm. In the 80s, they did transplants if you were an adult. I was an infant. There is no lens. So I have really amazingly thick glasses. I mean, they're like like crazy Coke bottle thick. glasses. Coke bottle. Okay. Yeah, like Coke bottle glasses. Yes. And that is to compensate for not having a lens. So when I take my glasses off, I can only see at a certain distance. So what your lens does is it auto focuses your eye like a camera. Mm-hmm. 
or but not what I use now is binoculars because cameras all autofocus so no one gets that. So when you look through a pair of binoculars before somebody else or after somebody else, it's almost always going to be a little bit out of focus, right? Right. Like it's it's so my eyes are stuck in that out of focus mode. Mm-hmm. So when I take off my glasses, I can see. Like, okay, I'm doing it right now. I'm in a room. Um, There's a TV hanging in the corner. I can see the mirror, and I can see that there's blinds reflecting in the mirror, but I can't necessarily see the individual blind. Okay. I can can see that there's big – I can see the big things, but I can't tell you – I can't zoom in on them and say, oh, there's like, you know, 15 different things on the blinds. Mm -hmm. There's something above the mirror. I know – that it's a starfish because I just have my glasses on, but I can't tell you it's a starfish. All I can see is something that is like brown Mm -hmm. and roundish shaped. So that's what it's like for me. I can't focus in. So a normal person could say, oh, there's something up there, and their eyes just automatically zoom in on it and say, oh, it's a starfish. My eyes can't do that. So that's what it's like not having a lens. But it's different for every person. So some people can see close up fine. Some people can see far away. Some people can see in the middle. My eyes, I can basically not really see anything. I can kind of see like my middle vision is okay. But if you're walking up to me and you're more than like 10 or 15 feet away, I have no idea who you are without my glasses on. With mm-hmm. my glasses on, I can see everything pretty much fine. No, back up a little bit. Scar tissue on your yes. eyes, cataracts is scar tissue on your eyes. How in the world do you get that as an infant? I mean, I was born with it. It developed in utero. Mm-hmm. It's um, actually, I found out through my daughter that I have a genetic condition that causes cataracts. It causes some other issues too. And I have a few of them, but I don't have all of them. It can also, um, it's a mutation on, oh, I don't remember what gene it's on right now. We had to do all that stuff with my daughter, which we'll talk about probably later. Mm-hmm. And I looked and, but what the, whatever the gene mutation is, it affects your eyesight and causes, it causes cataracts. It can cause heart issues, which I don't have. Praise the Lord. It causes elongated facial features, which I also don't have. And, but it also causes dental delays and issues with your teeth, which I do have. I mm-hmm. didn't, like, my teeth came in late. My daughter didn't get her first tooth until she was 14 months old. Okay. So, yeah. So, anyway, we found all that out through my daughter, but uh, who's now just turned two. Her name is Emma Grace, but that's a different story for later. Yes. Uh, anyway, so uh, the cataracts, it's, it's, it's in utero, mm-hmm. and they caught it when I was three months old. Um, I had my first surgery to remove the cataract in my left eye, I guess, right after that, that I had to wait three to six months to do the right eye. Then I could start seeing things. I couldn't see anything close up. It was still super blurry. They had to put contacts in my eyes. As a baby? Which, as a baby. Like like they did surgical contacts or your parents had to actually put contacts in your eyes? Uh, my parents had to put contacts <gasps> in my eyes and it was every day because at the time they only had hard contacts. So it was awful. <laughs> Oh my, my mom talks about, we now have to do that with my daughter, but we can do every two weeks. But my mom would always talk about, they had to use like a, they call it a lid speculum or something mm-hmm. where it like holds your lid open so you can, and then you have like a little plunger to get the contact on and off. They don't do that anymore. So it's way, I think feel like it's almost more torturous for my daughter because we have to actually use our hands. <laughs> Did your parents notice a difference when you had the surgeries yeah. and putting the contacts in your eyes? Did they notice a difference in your behavior with being able to see things? Yeah, I could definitely see better. But when you're that young, and also it's the 80s, so technology's you know, it's good, but it's not what it is today. So they weren't necessarily accurate Mm -hmm. in their readings until it wasn't until I was about two, one or two, that I got my first pair of glasses, maybe one. And 
I've worn glasses my whole life. Um, I had contacts until I was, gosh, probably three, maybe. I don't remember. Uh, I had a second set of surgeries on both of my eyes because the cataracts grew back because it's scar tissue. So anytime you have surgery in your eyes, it can produce scar tissue, which is what okay. contacts are. So they had to, or not contacts, cataracts are. Mm-hmm. So they had to go back in and remove the scar tissue again. And at that point, we were in, I was, so I was born in Den, uh, just outside Denver, Colorado. My dad was in seminary. We then moved back to where my parents were from, which is Washington State. And I had my second set of surgeries in Portland, Oregon, about around where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And that surgeon was, I guess, a retired army doctor or something. And he was not a very patient man. And so he got tired of me moving around and having trouble seeing my eyes. So on that second surgery, they ended up permanently dilating my eyes. So, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and they say, okay, I'm going to dilate it to sit in the dark for an hour. Mm-hmm. And then when you leave, they give you the sunglasses. I don't have to go through any of that. Okay. My eyes are just permanently dilated. Wow. So growing up in the Pacific Northwest was fantastic because those cloudy days are really easy on my eyes, but mm-hmm. sunny days were awful. And because my glasses were so thick, I couldn't wear sunglasses. Oh, wow. I never would have thought about that. Okay. Yeah. So I had to wear a hat a lot. So as a, as a toddler, they did that second surgery. And because of that second surgery, I also developed glaucoma. Now, glaucoma is another thing that affects generally people who are older mm-hmm. and affects the pressure in your eye. And it can make it too high or too low. If your eye gets too high, the pressure in your eye gets too high, it can explode. And oh, you no longer uh-huh. have an eye. Uh-huh. If it gets too low, your eye will deflate. And oh. you no longer have an eye. Okay. <laughs> so mine is too high. It's regulated by medication. But that's another thing that can happen from eye surgery. So the two major issues with eye surgery are cataracts and glaucoma. So because I've already had both of them, any eye surgery I have in the future in my life, I'm high risk Mm -hmm. for my eye basically imploding or exploding, like my eye just like collapsing entirely because I already have these complicating issues. That's not true for everybody, but this is for true for me. Mm -hmm. After developing glaucoma, I started seeing a specialist at OHSU, Oregon Health and Sciences University, from the time I was three until I was 21. He helped develop some of the more current glaucoma medications, one of which I still use. I'm actually not blind anymore. I can, st- I just, I'm, I'm low vision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I qualify as low vision because I'm not corrected in, well, actually, I don't know. Because every state is different how they define low vision. It's not a federal mandate. It's a state thing. Oh. So I think in some states I'm considered low vision, other states I'm not. So tell me what that was like growing up. I mean, you're you've had all these surgeries. You're wearing these Coke bottle glasses in school. You're not <laughs> well, it was technically the 80s blind. And 90s, so they yeah, it was the 80s and 90s. So they weren't Coke bottle then. They were just like half my face. Did uh, you feel different <laughs> then with everybody else? Because you looked. I mean, you really you look different when you're wearing you know glasses that take up half your face. How did you feel different right. from everybody else? You know, funny enough, I didn't really. Uh, I went to a Christian school in kindergarten or from preschool until eighth grade. And my best friend, Jill, she also, her eyesight wasn't as bad as mine, but she also had big glasses. And so we like bonded pretty quickly. And we also, she's actually who introduced me to Adventures in Odyssey. Nice. Got to throw that out there. Mm -hmm. And she, her mom was our kindergarten teacher. And so we were great friends all the way up. We still are. So I wasn't alone. And 
I had, I think I was in kindergarten. I had one older kid tease me about my glasses and call me four eyes. And some girl went up to him and she just reamed him. Nice. For, <laughs> for making fun of me. And I never, ever had anyone else make fun of me to my face ever. Mm-hmm. Did you? I did get a. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go I ahead. Say, I did get a lot of headaches. I had a lot of headaches. I always had to sit in the very front of the classroom so I could see the chalkboard or what or the whiteboard or whatever. I learned to read really quickly, mm-hmm. but I hated it. I hated. But could reading. you see the so words boring. on the page? Like I'm, I'm not trying to sound ignorant. I just I'm You're trying not. to understand. You know, yeah. and oh, I no, mean, no, could no. you Ask. actually see those words, or did you have to put it super close to your face? Yes and yes. I actually I had bifocals, so I learned how to read with bifocals. Uh, there, so there. I my glasses are. Um, I, I have like normal seeing range, and then in the corners I have like little bifocal bubbles, mm-hmm. so that I just look in that corner to read. And yes, I do have to hold it close to my face, but I actually have with my glasses when I was younger, especially. I had amazing vision. You know, when you're younger, the teachers always write bigger anyway, so you can see. So that wasn't an issue. It was when I got, like, into college and stuff. I usually, I had to start asking for notes, mm, like, okay. or even in high school. In which I'm so sure they were was, probably accommodating for. I'm sure that really yeah, wasn't an issue. Yeah, most of them were. Or I would get a classmate who would, who could take notes. Like, I would, I would take notes by audio, like, by listening, and then uh, I'd have somebody else writing down like I'd find someone else who wrote down or I'd just get copies of other people's notes to make sure I didn't miss anything. Okay. Let's talk about your faith journey. Let's talk about how you came to, you said you, you knew Christ at an early age. Did you always, did you ever like pray God heal my eyes? Every day. Every day. Every day. But yet it never happened. No, it didn't. I, I came to Jesus at a young age. I went to a Christian school. I did a wanna. Like, I had faith. I knew, and I was a good kid. I was the teacher's pet, not intentionally, mm-hmm. but I wanted to please the people around me. But I also felt a sense of guilt because of my vision. What like, do you mean? I like knew it... my. Because, like, I felt like I didn't deserve things. And my parents did not put this on me at all, but I felt like, my, oh my gosh, my vision is so, my eyes are so expensive. Oh, that type of guilt. Like okay. my, and my parents had great insurance, but they still, you know, great insurance still doesn't cover glasses. You know, if you need them, they only cover part of it. I had to have so many eye doctor appointments. It was great missing school. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, about every three months I had to go to the eye doctor and it was 30 minute drive into Portland from Washington State. And then it would take like half the day in the waiting room. So I always got to miss school. It was, that was fun. Mm-hmm. But I felt guilty. Like, so my sister played sports and everything, and I didn't necessarily have an interest in sports, but I always felt like I should, like, okay, that's just how things are. They pay my medical bills, and my sister gets to play sports. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's how it evens out. Right. And I always wanted things to be fair growing up, and so I didn't really ask for anything. Mm -hmm. And again, I had amazing parents. This was not on them. This was just me thinking... I am a burden. Mm, okay. <laughs> but I always tried to be the good kid, at least out in public. My sister and I didn't have a great relationship, but again, that was my fault. Okay. Um, I Was that resent? What do you mean? Was that resentment because you had eye problems and she didn't and she could do sports and you couldn't? I mean, was there resentment there? I don't know what it was. I think we just had, we just have such opposite personalities. She was very popular and outgoing. I was more quiet and studious she's sporty i was not sporty mm-hmm. i think and and but we're both really stubborn so i think we kind of <laughs> we just kind of had the uh 
we had the, some of the bad traits in common, but we, I mean, we had times where we got along. But mm-hmm. again, most of it when we were younger was me. So you would pray all the time, God heal me, and it really wasn't happening. So let's fast yeah, forward a little bit. Of, yeah, I knew the story of John chapter 9 and God healing the blind man. That was always my prayer. And one of my heroes growing up was, well, I had two. I loved Amy Carmichael's story. and She was a little Irish girl. Her whole family had blue eyes and she had brown eyes. And every morning she would wake up praying, God, please turn my eyes blue. Please turn my eyes blue. And she'd go look in the mirror and they weren't blue. Well, when she became an adult, she actually became a missionary to India at the turn of the 20th century. And because she had brown eyes and brown hair, she dyed her skin with tea leaves and she was able to sneak into the Hindu temples and rescue the temple prostitutes. And she saved hundreds of girls. And had she, God changed her eyes to blue, had she had blue eyes, she never would have blended in. And so I always kind of held on to that story. The other one was Fanny Crosby, because Fanny Crosby was not born blind. She became blind at a young age, though, and she was a hymn writer when she became an adult. And she wrote, I think, 8,000 hymns. Wow. As a blind person. As a blind person in the 1800s. She has just an incredible testimony also. And one of the things that she was famous for saying that I didn't know until I was older, or it didn't hit me until I was older, I don't think, was that I am content in my blindness because I know that the first face I will see is that of my Savior. Mm. So were those kind of the women that you looked upon growing up as you're praying, Lord, heal my eyes, and God is not healing you in the way you would like, were those kind of the women that you kind of clung to and realized, okay, God has a plan? Yeah, for sure. And there were a few times in my life, like around probably like puberty when my pressure spiked in my eyes and we didn't know why. And then we figured out, Oh, she's probably going through puberty. And there was a, like, they thought I was going to go blind. And that's really when I held on to Fanny Crosby, especially just like, okay, if I go blind, it's going to be okay. But the hard part was when I was little, my doctors told my parents, don't treat her differently. Don't send her to a blind school. Just, you know, just have her be normal. Don't Mm -hmm. let her use her eyes as an excuse for things. Just, treat her like a normal kid and they did mm-hmm. which was great <laughs> except <laughs> i have no skills i have no blind skills i don't know how to use a cane i don't oh, know how to read braille right i you know so if anything does happen which it could happen at any time and i go blind i have no way of coping mm-hmm. which is something that you would have my... something that you would have benefited from if you went to blind school or even if I just had somebody like to teach me those things on the side, like a tutor or something. Got it. Yeah. Okay. It would have been, it would have been helpful. So I plan on with my daughter when she's old enough, I'm, we're going to learn, I'm going to have her learn Braille. I'm going to learn with her so that we together, mm-hmm. if it comes to that point in her life that she needs this, that we'll be able, we'll both be able to cope. Mm-hmm. So let's fast forward a little bit more. Did you meet your husband in seminary? I met him in undergrad, actually. Okay. Um, my, let's see. I went to Liberty University. I met him in fall of 2007. And at that point, that summer was a big summer for me. I lived in Michigan. I was working at a homeless shelter there. That summer, I started losing more eyesight. Mm -hmm. I was walking down the road one day and like a garbage can appeared out of nowhere. And I was like, wait, what? Where where did this come from? (laughs) That was terrifying. So I got back to school that fall in fall of 2007 and I had to start seeing eye doctors and 
they these are not my normal eye doctors. I didn't go home in between, so I'm trying to find somebody. They do an MRI and they found a brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and it looked like it had bled at some point. It's in my thyroid cavity. It's not touching anything. It's just there. Mm-hmm. They said I probably had it since birth. It's actually kind of normal, but because it had bled, that may have been what was causing my vision issues, like the the vision loss and the blurriness. Mm-hmm. So, and it eventually cleared up like the blood is absorbed back in whatever. And so it's not, I haven't lost any more vision since then. It kind of comes back. So that semester I was going through all of this while I was in college. My parents are 3,000 miles away. I'm in central Virginia. My parents are in Washington state. And I mentioned this as a prayer request because Liberty's a Christian school. And this guy comes up to me afterwards and he's like, hey, I know what you're going through. If you ever need to talk to somebody, like, uh, just let me know. I'm here. You can call me. Here's my number. And I'm like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to call you like in the middle of the night if I'm freaking out. And I'm thinking, I didn't say any of this. I'm just thinking it. And I'm going, oh, yeah, sure. You know what I'm going through. Ha ha. Very funny. And then he goes, I'm blind in my right eye. Mm. I'm like, Oh, okay. Thank you very much. And I literally just turned and walked away because I didn't know what to do. Because <laughs> now that. you're kind of embarrassed, like, oh. Well, and I didn't say anything to him. It was just all in my head. And I'm like, oh, okay, thank you. And then, like, cause I thought, like, oh my gosh, this guy's hitting on me because this is Liberty's totally a ring by spring school. Nice. And we became really good friends. And then we started dating. We dated for a year got married in June of 2010 mm-hmm. as through all this whole process again I was just praying like God I want to be a miracle I want to be that person like look how amazing like how amazing would it be if there's all this documentation that I was born blind and I had all this bad eyesight and then you just miraculously healed me like there's no way to deny this because I have you know 20 years of doc 25 years of documentation of all this mm-hmm. and God just kept saying no that's not what I have for you. That's not what I have for you. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so in 2014, we were in Virginia still. Um, Eli's from Maryland. So we would go up to Johns Hopkins in that area for our eyes because it's a better hospital than what we had in our area. And they had this other eye group. Uh, it's called Katzen. They had a new doctor in for glaucoma. She does glaucoma and cataracts because they tend to go together. Eli had to get, they wanted to see if he had a cataract growing over his his right eye, and that's why his vision wasn't coming back from the retinal detachment, and he did. And I like this lady, and I'm talking to her, and I'm like, hey, are you taking new patients? She's like, yeah, for who? And I'm like, for me. And she's like, well, why? And I'm like, and so I told her my story, cataracts, glaucoma. And she's like, yeah, sure. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. You know, maybe we can see technology has advanced. And that was my my previous doctor's whole thing was technology hasn't advanced enough for us to do anything. But when it does, you would be a good candidate, hopefully, if your eyes stable out for a lens implant, mm-hmm. which would mean I wouldn't have to have glasses anymore mm-hmm. or at least only have to have reading glasses. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe then God's not going to heal me outright, but you know, having surgery to get lenses in, that's, that's a kind of healing. It's still, it's still from God. Like God made people smart enough to figure out how to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's a technology that we have now that they didn't have even 20 years ago. And a lot of other countries don't have still, okay, I can, I can go with this. 
So in in between that appointment and my appointment, a few weeks later, I flew home to Washington State, and I went. I helped out at my church's high school water ski camp for the week, and I thought I was going to be there, you know, to hang out with the kids, to encourage them, whatever. And God had something completely different in mind. We're doing worship, and I hear this. We're we're singing. Um, Beautiful Things by Gunger, mm-hmm. and I'd never heard the song before. I'm just sitting there, and the song goes, you make beautiful things, you make beautiful things out of the dust, you make beautiful things out of us. And I heard this voice next to me, and it said, Sarah, why do you want to change what I already made perfect? I made you perfect just the way you are. Mm-hmm. Why do you want to change that? And I'm like, thinking there's somebody sitting next to me, like it's my pastor or something, and there's nobody near me. There's nobody. And I'm like, okay, that was weird. <laughs> like this was an audible voice. Like I literally yeah. thought someone was talking to me mm-hmm. and I caught up and I called, I went to the back and I called my husband and I'm like, this just happened. It was really weird. And then I called my dad. Uh, my dad's a psychologist. And I'm like, dad, I think this is God saying that I'm not supposed to have surgery on my eyes. And I don't want to give that up. Like, I don't understand. Yeah. And he's like, just let it be. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So I hang up the phone and by that time the speaker is talking and he, okay, so he's talking to high schoolers. He's like, and he's in the middle of a sentence, right? He goes, you know, maybe you don't like this thing about you. You don't like, you don't like, you're not good at school. You're not pretty enough, whatever. And he stops and he says, God made you perfect just the way you are. Why do you want to change what God already made perfect? Mm, confirming like, what God have, had said to you already. You have got to be kidding me. I'm like, okay, God. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know what this means. I don't like this. Right. But okay. <laughs> like, but at the same time, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. God made me perfect. Even though I'm not perfect in the world's eyes, even though I'm not in my eyes, he right. made me exactly how he wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. So three weeks later, I went back to Virginia and then up to Baltimore for my eye appointment with this new doctor. And she looks at me and she's like, yeah, your vision is stable. It looks good. We could totally do a lens implant. But before we do that, you know, your your corneas are really sick. Did you know that? And I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. the cornea is the outer part of your eye. It's shaped like a bubble. Okay. And it's in the middle. It covers up your iris, which is the colored part of your eye, and mm-hmm. the hole in the middle. That's what the cornea's job is, is to protect it. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to be round and thin, and mine on both eyes were flat and thick. Oh. And she's like, you need to go see a cornea specialist. When I saw that specialist, he explained that's why my vision had been getting so cloudy, was because it also breathes. So the cornea, it lets air and moisture in and out of your eye. Because mine were misshapen and they were so thick, moisture was going in and getting trapped, and it was clouding up my vision. So think of it like uh, when you go to the beach or a pool and you have a wet swimsuit, you have to air it out so it dries. Mm -hmm. But if you put it in a... Uh, like a plastic bag, it just stays damp and it just keeps getting damper and wetter. Mm -hmm. So that's what my eye was like. It was like that plastic bag. So he's like, you need cornea transplants. I really got impacted when I looked up what's going to happen. A cornea transplant is done by either it's a, they either can make one for your eye or it's actually a transplant from someone who is deceased. Mm -hmm. And they knew that I was going to need one from someone who is deceased. The cool thing about corneas is that they do not have to be matched. 
and they are also viable for up to two weeks. So there is no waiting list for a cornea because there's almost always a cornea available. If it's not available in your area, they will have it flown in from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. That told me two things. One was that they can schedule surgery whenever they want to, and there will be one. And also, God convicted me to pray for my donor because I knew that God had a specific person in mind for me Mm -hmm. and that they were still alive. Yeah. And I knew within a two-week period, I didn't know who this person was or where they were, but I knew within a two-week period that this specific person was going to die. They didn't know, but I did. Mm -hmm. I didn't know the exact day, but I knew within a two-week period of them scheduling surgery that this person was going to die. Mm -hmm. And Rachel, that is a heavy, heavy burden to bear. Now, what was that burden for you? Was that just knowing that you're taking somebody else's eyes in a sense and like what was the burden there that this random person that I have never met in my life had no idea the end was coming and I Mm, did yeah and I didn't know them I didn't know their walk Mm -hmm. I didn't know their family or their friends or their relationships but I knew that as soon as I got the phone call saying hey Sarah we're going to schedule you for this date that within two weeks of that date, whoever this random person was that God knew mm-hmm. that they were going to die. Mm-hmm. And God burdened my heart to the point of like days where I just, I was almost depressed for this person. I was so burdened that I couldn't, I just cried and cried. I wept and I grieved for this person's life. And God put it on my heart to pray for them, to pray that they would be reconciled to him before they passed if they weren't already, to pray that if they had family or friends that they were at odds with, that they would be reconciled, that their families would get to say goodbye because, you know, most donations, it's sudden. It's not usually someone with a long illness. It's not usually someone who's older or too young. It's somebody, you know, around my age, late 20s, early 30s, not always, but, you know, someone who's genuinely, generally healthy. Mm-hmm. And that just burdened me. I just, I prayed that they would be able to say goodbye to their families. And um, I couldn't handle the burden. I, I often, I had to keep giving it back to God and I would try and take it back again. I just had to keep giving it up. And finally, um, I got the phone call in 2018, uh, February 1st, 2018. They scheduled my cornea transplant and my right eye. And about two weeks before then, so I dealt with this for about two years knowing that this was going to happen, not knowing. And I even kind of in my heart, I named them like, so I could not just pray for a random person, but I, I, I gave them names mm-hmm. two weeks before we were going in for my, my pre-op appointment. And they told me, okay, you know, surgery is going to be on February 1st. And I got in the car and I just wept. And I said, God, this is not right that mm-hmm. someone's going to die and all I'm getting is this little tiny piece of tissue. Yeah. It's not worth their life and and he said to me and again he it was just speaking to me out loud. He said, "Sarah, this is what I did for you. Mm. This person that you didn't know died for you and they gave you the gift of sight. It's a gift that you didn't earn and you didn't deserve. You didn't buy it. 
all all organ donations are donated and everything to get them to you is donated. You didn't buy it. You didn't earn it. You weren't good enough for it. It had nothing to do with the kind of person you were. But in their death, a complete stranger gave you the gift of sight. Mm -hmm. And then God said, Sarah, that's what I did for you. You didn't know me. Mm -hmm. But I loved you so much that I died for you. And I gave you the gift of eternal life, a gift that you didn't earn and you didn't buy and you didn't deserve. You didn't work for it. It wasn't about the kind of person you were. It was a gift in my death I chose to give you because I love you. It's a pretty humbling moment to realize that. (laughs) And I said, sobbed and I sobbed. (laughs) And then I realized this is why, this is why God didn't choose to heal me. Mm. It was because if he had chosen to heal me, I would have never understood in such a personal way what he did for me. Right. That's good. I grew up hearing the salvation story my whole life. I believed it. Mm -hmm. But now, now it's real. Yeah, it was real for you. Somebody did this for me. Yeah. And through that, I got to share during surgery. I was awake. I couldn't feel anything, but I was awake. Was this outpatient? Like this was like an outpatient surgery? Uh, normally it is because I have complications that kept me because of my glaucoma and everything. They kept me overnight. Okay. So, but I was awake anyway. during surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was awake. I got to share the gospel with my doctors. That's awesome. And the nurses and technicians and everyone who was in the room because God just opened the door for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so instead of, he gave me the opportunity to share him with the world. It wasn't because he healed me. It was because he chose not to heal me. Mm, that's good. And then... You had at the time, you had an unofficial Adventures in Odyssey podcast. Yes, from 2007 to 2010, mm-hmm. I did. I co-hosted the unofficial Adventures in Odyssey podcast. Through that, I got to know a lot of the staff and um, actors and stuff that focus on the family and uh, Adventures in Odyssey. And then Facebook got bigger, and I funded some of them on Facebook and developed relationships with them, like Phil Lawler. When all this happened and I asked for prayer, Phil saw it and he's like, hey, that's a really cool story. Just when I when I was asking for prayer for my, my organ donor before I even had surgery, he's like, hey, that's a really cool story. Can I can I use that? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, because someone before right before my post on his feed was like, hey, can you pray? I have a big game today. You know, pray that my team wins. And he was just kind of not stunned, but it just kind of it. He took note of it puts things in perspective, teams. really. Yeah, praying for someone's to, team to win and then, you know, praying for someone who's going to die. Yes. <laughs> so he's like, that's, that's a great story. I want to use that for Odyssey. And I said, sure. Mm-hmm. Well, nothing came of it. I was like in 2016. Nothing came of it. Nothing came of it. It got sidelined because Odyssey then did an episode about a kid who got a heart transplant. And they're like, oh, it was a completely different idea. But, you know, transplant, transplant. They didn't want to be you know too many similar stories at the same time Mm -hmm. well in august of 2018 i was six months out of surgery and doing pretty well and i i had emailed bob smithhauser at at focus on the family because he's he's a friend 
and I said, hey, I don't know if I told you about this, but here I had surgery. It's really cool. And then he's like, oh, I heard about that because Phil's going to write a script about it. And I'm like, wait, he is? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's writing it like now. And so I oh, went over awesome. to Facebook and I'm like, hey, Bob said you're writing the story after all. He's like, yeah, I'm in the middle of the script right now. And I'm like, okay, that's amazing. So this will be out like they're going to record it, what, in a couple of years, like a year or so? And yeah. he's like, no, 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 they're going to record it in October. Nice. I'm like, Oh, well, that's cool. Well, you know, and I knew they had uh, many years ago, they allowed fans to come to the studio every so often, Mm -hmm. uh, but they had since closed that opportunity. And I knew that. And so I was like, well, you know, FaceTime me or something when y'all are in studio so that I can meet the actress who's playing the character, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Well, then Nathan Hubler, who's also a good friend of mine, called me and he's kind of does everything at odyssey i don't actually know what his official job is he's a writer director producer he does all the things and he does a lot of the fan reaching out to the fans and stuff but he called me he's like hey just so you know you're welcome to come to the recording session in october nice i'm like oh that's amazing he's like you know you'd have to <laughs> you'd have to you know get yourself there my grandpa met me down there he flew down from from vancouver all like my husband had to work and so we got, he flew down with me. He and I went to, and my grandma went to the live show in 2008 in Colorado Springs. They drove me out there. So he knew some of these people also. So it was really fun for the two of us to just have this like whirlwind three day trip in Burbank. I went in not deciding I wasn't going to tell anybody in the show who I like in that particular episode who I was because I didn't want to freak anybody out. I ended up meeting the actress who played the part of Sarah. She and I started talking, and I didn't tell her who I was. I asked, oh, you know, what are you doing there? You're, what are you doing here? Who are you playing? She's like, oh, I'm playing the part of Sarah. I'm like, oh, okay. And she's like, and then and she looks at me, she's like, and that's you, isn't it? <gasps> <laughs> and I'm like, well, I wasn't going to say anything because I didn't want to make you nervous. And she's like, no. Then she's like, it's so funny because she's from Puerto Rico. Her dad is one of the chief ophthalmologists in Puerto Rico. So she actually understood a lot of the terminology oh, wow, and what okay. was happening, like what I went through. It was total God thing. It was just, it was so cool. And then because we had gotten to talk, she kind of picked up some of my mannerisms while she was acting. Mm-hmm. And it, that was really cool to see. It was just an amazing experience being in studio like that, getting to meet people. I got to meet Greg Jabara, who I loved watching on Blue Bloods, who plays Pastor Wilson Knox. Like, mm-hmm. that was really cool. It was just an amazing experience. So when here, I got home, oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say so here, God took what was a disadvantage in your life, and He has now made it an advantage where, yes, you had to go through all these surgeries. Yes, you struggled somewhat growing up and then, you know, moving to different locations and having that affect your eye and going to different doctors. But yet, God was able to use this for His glory to share the gospel in such a mighty way, not only because you got to see what it was really like that someone gave themselves up for you. You know, they gave you a gift that you Mm -hmm. didn't earn, but now you didn't just get to share your story with people in your, in your tight knit community, but you've shared your story with people. I mean, I'm sure there's people not just all over the United States that listen to adventures and Odyssey, but people all over the world that listen and how yeah, it's, is amazing that God has been glorified now through your story. So after I got, yeah. And after I got to build on that, after I got home from Burbank, 
I was up late one night and I was just, I talked to God in the shower a lot. It's my quiet time where I'm just like, everything is like away. It's just the water and Mm -hmm. me and God. And I was praying and I was thinking about all the things that had happened to me in the last year because of my eyes. And God spoke to me again. And he said, Sarah, do you understand now that you were not an accident? Mm. It wasn't in, like in John chapter nine, God, it, the disciples ask Jesus, if whose fault is it that this man was born blind, his fault or his parents? And Jesus says, neither. He was born blind so that the power of God could be shown through him. Yes. And that's not a direct quote. I'm, I'm, I'm hope I'm not misquoting that. But no, that's but that's, that's the gist of it. Cause honestly, that's like my favorite chapter out of the whole out of the whole bible for that very reason that yes there are sometimes we're sick and debilitated because of sin but there are other yeah. times that it's because god's going to be glorified through us that's why we have some disadvantages mm-hmm. in our lives and that's what that's what god did through you and so i, I want to close with this if there is somebody out there today that is struggling with sight, or maybe it's not even sight, maybe it's hearing, maybe it's some other disability in their lives and they're struggling to see God through it, what would you say to them right now? I would say what God told me, you know, the circumstances, well, they matter. They don't. Mm -hmm. Because whatever you're going through, you are never alone. No matter how alone you feel, you're not. And God can use and will use each and every situation that we are in for his glory. And and my you said your favorite passage is John 9. Mine is Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3 through 8. And it's the God of all comfort. And it says, God, God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we might comfort others. And, and I'm, again, I'm paraphrasing, but God will bring people alongside us to comfort us so that when we have been made, you know, when we've gotten through it, we can then comfort other people. Mm-hmm. And to me, that says no matter what happens, God's with us. He'll bring others alongside of us, and then He'll use that in us to the, to help other people. So we're never alone, right? And we should use our stories, as comfortable as we are, to help other people. And that's kind of what God has done for me: is He took me through all these things, and He told me this is why He made me. It wasn't anyone's fault. It was that He could be glorified. And had anything in my life changed, had I not been born blind, had I not had all these disability or disadvantages or advantages or whatever, God gave this to me so that I could share Him. Yeah. This is my tool to witness for Him to mm-hmm. be a light. Mm-hmm. Because when people see me, if you find my picture online. I am hard to forget. <laughs> people recognize, people look at my, and they see my glasses. That's the first thing they see. Mm-hmm. And, and I've embraced that. And in, in that, and people want to know, Hey, what's wrong with your eyes? But nobody will ask like kids will ask, but adults usually won't. Yeah. So that's my door. I can say, Oh, here's what's going on with my eyes. This is why mm-hmm. this is what God's done through. It. And that is the opportunity that God has given me. So even if God had healed me and I wouldn't have my glasses, I would look like just like anybody else. Mm-hmm. I have a door that I can show Jesus's love to the world. And yeah. that's through my, my glasses and through my eyes. That's awesome. That'll preach. That's a and, good word. Yeah. So whatever you're going through outside, inside, I don't know what you're going through, but no that in your pain, no matter what caused it, you're not alone. Mm -hmm. 
Well, we and sometimes we forget here in the Western world that our lives are not our own. So if you're willing, mm-hmm. if you're submitted, yeah, you can be used by God in such a great way. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. You can find Sarah. Uh, so I'll put your website in the show notes. I'm going to try and find the episode of Adventures and Odyssey and try and at least get that. I mean, I know that you have to like it's purchase called it. Rightly Dividing. Rightly Dividing. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being here today. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining Sarah and I's conversation on the Unique on Purpose podcast. I hope that brought encouragement to you today. And no matter where God has you, he will use you and you do matter. Don't forget to share, download, and subscribe. And remember, you were created unique on purpose. You are loved. And because of Christ, you have been made worthy. I'll see you next time.